Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and we've got a fantastic show for you today. Up first is Lynn Berling Manuel, the Chief Executive Officer of United Soccer Coaches, talking about the fact that United Soccer Coaches has submitted a proposed amendment to the U.S. Soccer Bylaws that would ensure United Soccer Coaches would have full representation on the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors. She goes first. She breaks down this proposed bylaw. Then a wonderful conversation coming to you from Chicago was part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention a few weeks ago. Charlie Slagle, legendary coach at Davidson, big-time soccer promoter, led some of the biggest soccer clubs in North America. He's now with the Richmond Kickers. He's been a broadcaster, former president of the organization. He's done it all. He starts, and then Hall of Fame broadcaster J.P. Della Camera joins us midstream for about a half-hour conversation that is a whole lot of fun hearing J.P. and even Charlie tell stories together. Then remember, every week we interview folks that were on podcast role at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. And this week we put the spotlight on the Soccer Chat Coaching Podcast, Nick Rizzo and Sean Soderling. Up first, Lynn Burley manuel and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky. United Soccer Coaches has submitted a proposed amendment to the U.S. Soccer Bylaws that would ensure the National Association for Soccer Coaches at all levels of the game, United Soccer Coaches, has representation on the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors. The proposed bylaw change would provide each associate member a category of membership which includes United Soccer Coaches, a vote for the at-large board member that represents those U.S. Soccer members that do not have an automatic seat on the board. Now, the bylaw amendment will be voted on by the U.S. Soccer National Council at the annual general meeting taking place February 14th through 17th in Scottsdale, Arizona. The bylaw must receive a two-thirds vote to pass. Last year, the total number of votes was 1,219, but that number can fluctuate from year to year. To clarify, associate members are part of the, quote, other affiliated members, end quote, of U.S. soccer, also known as the at-large committee. It encompasses all member groups that do not have a direct seat on the board. Associate members are able to vote for national officers and bylaws, but they do not currently have a vote for the at-large board member that actually represents them. Associate members is a category of U.S. soccer members that do not register players. Associate members had a full seat on the board until the 2006 board restructuring that reduced the board from over 40 members to its current size of 14 voting members. There are currently two associate members, United Soccer Coaches and the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council. The, quote, other affiliated members of U.S. Soccer are American Amputee Soccer Association, American Youth Soccer Organization, AYSO, Say Soccer, USA Deaf Soccer, U.S. Club Soccer, U.S. 
futsal, United States Power Soccer, and United States Specialty Sports Association. There are 12 total votes for the at-large board member accrued to the other eight organizations based on their size. The proposed bylaw change would give each associate member one vote for the at-large board member. And here to talk about it is Lynn berlin Manuel, the Chief Executive Officer of the United Soccer Coaches. Lynn, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Dean, thanks for having me today. Yeah, always good to have you on the show. So let's get right to it, Lynn. Can you give us an overview of the proposal that was submitted to U.S. Soccer? Sure. We are making a proposed bylaw amendment change, or an amendment change to the bylaws. United Soccer Coaches is a member of U.S. Soccer, something that you know we've been for many, many, many years. We are in a category called associate member, and that's actually a membership that applies to organizations that don't register players. And the two organizations that are in that are us. And another organization that's really interesting called the Combined Military Sports Council, and they are actually an agency that oversees the um, sports activities for all of the branches of the military. And as you may know, both soldiers and their families have sports programs worldwide, with soccer being a very prominent one. Now, in this case, we're, we're both members of U.S. soccer, and our rights include or responsibilities include the ability to vote for national officers, to vote for bylaw changes. We even have the right to run for the board of directors. What we do not have is the ability to vote for the board member, the at-large board member that represents us. And it is truly the category of membership, associate members, that we're putting on the table. And we're asking for a vote to be included for that board member. So that's the upshot of the whole thing. Okay, Lynn, so why do you feel it was important for United Soccer Coaches to submit this proposal? Well, we believe advocacy is a very large part of the responsibility to coaches of United Soccer Coaches. That's what we, at least a big part of what we serve our members. And the ability to um, be an active and engaged member of U.S. Soccer, we believe, is a critical piece of that. Um, At the end of the day, it's important to be able to represent the voice of coaches in every way we can. And our members are included in every other soccer organization in this country. So being able to have some representation at the board level of U.S. soccer is something we felt was very important for our association. But equally, we think it's important that those associate members, in addition to ourselves, and there may be others in the future, also have that voice. Here with Lynn berlin Manuel, the Chief Executive Officer of United Soccer Coaches. Now, Lynn, what kind of support and or pushback are you expecting or have you gotten from submitting this bylaw proposal? Well, so far, the support has been terrific. Um, before we ever took the step of submitting it, I had spent quite a lot of time speaking with other at-large members. Um, I had spent a lot of time speaking with the um, chairs or various individuals on the councils who will vote on it, and almost Virtually without exception, we had a very positive response. Um, In terms of pushback, there's been some, but it's not been very specific. And it is, we heard a rumor that there was concerns among some that United Soccer Coaches competes in the education space with U.S. soccer. I would be very disappointed if that ended up being in any way a factor and the passing or not passing of this amendment. Um, Obviously, United Soccer Coaches has been in the coaching education space for virtually all of its 77 years, and we are respectful of U.S. Soccer's uh, coaching pathway. And, in fact, um, 
have many qualified instructors who teach it, but we also offer an extensive pathway for coaches, and we're just big believers in coaching education across the board. So at this point, nobody has spoken out specifically against it. In fact, all of the councils to date have been very, very positive. But it is a political environment, and it's always difficult to know what may be going on behind the scenes. Um, But we're thinking good thoughts about this and believe that the soccer community and the National Council will stand up and say, fair is fair. And I think this is actually a matter of what is fair. All right, Lynn. So speaking of education, educate us if you can and everybody listening. How does the bylaw pass? And can you explain that process to us? Ooh, a complicated process. Um, The U.S. Soccer Annual General Meeting is coming up in February. It starts, kicks off February 14th. Um, There is a National Council uh, meeting, which is really representative of all U.S. soccer members, and there will literally be a vote. Um, It does require a two-thirds majority to pass. Um, That vote is made up of uh, several different segments, including the Youth Council, the Adult Soccer Council, the professional players, excuse me, the athletes, and the professional leagues. And the fifth is the at-large members, those who do not have a direct seat on the board. We are among that group. So it is a um, classic political uh, process. Um, It's democracy in action. And our hope is simply that, um, uh, again, fairness will uh, uh, rule. And so far, the response has been very, very positive. All right, Lynn, any final thoughts on this bylaw? Or is there anything that people can do to, to help? You know, we appreciate um, folks just, uh, if there's questions about it, they should ask. There has been a, uh, a, an argument put out, which I consider sort of an asteroid argument. And when I say that, it's the notion of, you know, that what if an asteroid hits, what will happen then? So not impossible, but very far-fetched. And it is the notion if, you know, state associations of youth and adults decided they wanted to separate from their parent bodies, could they get a vote too? Well, currently those bodies have full board members, too, in each case. So the likelihood of them wanting a fraction of a board member um, is, is unlikely considering the amount of clout they currently have. So I think it really is we'd appreciate uh, your listeners and our members uh, speaking to their various youth and adult and pro friends and saying this is a good time to support coaches in America. All right, perfect, Lynn. And uh, lastly, we got to leave with this. I want to congratulate you and then get your thoughts fresh off the convention. I just felt like it was the greatest convention ever, Lynn. Well, thank you. Chicago was a spectacular, and McCormick Place was a spectacular location. Um, we hadn't been back to, in Chicago since the early 80s, so decades. Um, I, I want to, we have to thank the city of Chicago, who was a tremendous host. The Chicago Fire and Illinois Youth Soccer both were tremendously supportive. Um, we had record numbers, and I think it really just hit all the marks really, really well. And um, I know for us as the national staff of United Soccer Coaches, we feel great about it. And so far, our responses from attendees is very much like you. It was a landmark convention. It really, I think, brought together coaches across the country, but all aspects of soccer. You know, our mantra is that we unite soccer coaches around the love of the game. And this was an opportunity to take that even broader and bring 
everybody who loves the game to the table um, on that side of the game. So it, it was fantastic. Thanks for the kind comments. We're excited about next year, which will be in Baltimore. So everybody should start to plan for January in Baltimore. You know it. Bravo times 500 million. Well done. Lynn Berlin Manuel, Chief Executive Officer of United Soccer Coaches. Thanks for kicking off the show. Thank you, Dean. And up next, speaking of Chicago, a double interview. Charlie Slago, longtime successful coach at Davidson, big-time soccer promoter, big-time administrator for some of the biggest soccer clubs in North America. He is up first. And then J.P. Della Camera, the legendary U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame broadcaster, pops in during my interview with Charlie Slago, and we have a whole lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Chicago was fantastic on Podcast Row. Loved it. We'll continue to bring you some great interviews over the next several weeks from our time in Chicago. Charlie Slago, JP Della Camera, up next, United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And they changed the name a few years ago. And right in the middle of it was the president at the time of United Soccer Coaches as part of one-year rotation, Charlie Slago. And Charlie, as I think about your career, uniting everybody at any level, men or women, youth or college or pro, whatever, Man, you are, that is you, a promoter, administrator. Are you kidding me? It works. United Soccer Coaches, your path is just simply amazing. So as that is the kind of setting the table, it's true, right? I mean, you've done a little bit of everything. You're even a broadcaster. I'm sometimes a broadcaster, sometimes with you, which uh, is uh, always great to do. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, you look at this convention and you have people who are coaching their children and, the, and their child is five years old and then you have the uh, MLS coaches walking down the hall uh, you you could see a Bruce Arena and, and oh, past conventions uh, Siggy Schmidt uh, who uh, unfortunately passed away on Christmas Day and you know but the whole area is a, a lot of different people who have different agendas as far as their own life is concerned but love this game and uh, everybody mixes in together and uh, it's a great thing so in a strange way I mean I feel like everything I just said that you do you've done it over 40 plus years and in a strange way I kind of think you could do a whole nother 40 where it could look even different but let's go ahead and talk about the first 40 Charlie where did you grow up right when did this soccer thing hit and when in the world did you say I want to be a coach and a coach good enough to coach at a D1 school and darn near win a national championship we were pretty darn close uh, well I was a I grew up in Binghamton New York and I graduated in 1970 and I was an all-state football player went down to Davidson to play football uh, coach and I after my sophomore year sort of disagreed on what position I should be playing uh, I was a receiver and uh, uh, for various reasons he wanted me to move and so I uh, started kicking around with the soccer team only position I could play was goalkeeper and back in those days uh, soccer of course wasn't as big as it is now and 
and um, I decided to join the soccer team. Uh, my senior year in college, which was next year, uh, we took a trip as a team for three weeks to England. I fell in love with the game and um, played that year. Uh, sort of helped out and did some other things, but helped out with some high school um, uh, soccer uh, coaching. Plus, I'd already done a bunch of other kind of coaching. And um, next thing I know, uh, Davidson had somebody turn down the uh, job that uh, was offered. It was about May, uh, and they needed a coach for August. And uh, sort of a throwaway job because soccer didn't mean much at that time. And uh, they hired me. And, uh, you know, 21 years later, I uh, finally left. I, I also say, though, that being a Davidson alum, they have a program that if you can't get a job anywhere else, they'll actually hire you mm -hmm. until you can. And it took 21 years for me to get another job. How old were you when you got that job as 28, the head coach? 28. 28. And that was your first head coaching job? First head, first head coaching job anywhere, yeah. You're kidding me. Not even a youth head coaching no, job. No, I, I had helped out with a high school because I was running a running uh, store up in um, uh, Kingsport, Tennessee. And, uh, what kind I, of store? Uh, it was a uh, Fidipides store that uh, Jeff Galloway, who uh, is now famous for, well, he was a, he was a very good uh, marathoner for the U.S., but uh, he does walk-run now. And uh, he had about 28 stores, and as he said, I was the biggest guy who uh, was working at any of his Fidipides stores. Fidipides is a guy who ran from Marathon to uh, Athens and to let him know that they won the war, which the word was Nike, and died there. So that was Pheidippides. Wow. You probably didn't know that, did you, Dean? I didn't know. I, and I didn't know that the whole basketball thing. There, there's been some pretty good basketball players at Davidson over the years, they by were the very, way. They were very good, uh, second rank behind UCLA in the late 60s. That's how I heard of them. And I went to Davidson because I was from Binghamton, New York. I was the first person, I think, from within 100 miles of Binghamton that had ever gone to uh, Davidson College. Okay, so while you're there... This whole notion of Charlie Slagle, the ultimate promoter, started happening, and Davidson ends up, I make sure they get the chicken before the egg, Davidson ends up hosting a college cup, and lo and behold, you get your team in it, right? Like, it was already set, right? Right, it was set. Uh, I had been to Tampa, where I have been living, uh, now moving, but I had been to Tampa uh, to, to see the uh, College Cup the two years they had it, and they had they announced like 1,500 people. And I went back, and Terry Holland, who's very famous, uh, Terry Holland comes, in, uh, and uh, I said, Terry, I think we should host this in our football field. And he said, I think he was just being appeasing me. And he goes, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put a bid in. So we put a bid in, uh, went to Kansas City to pitch it in front of the NCAA. I still think he didn't think we were going to get it. A guy named Pat Millen, who you know very well, uh, and I went out with him. And we told him that um, we, we would get 6,000 people in the stands. We thought our football stadium held 6,000. But since we never filled the football stadium, we really didn't know. When we went back and counted the seats, it was 5,000. But as we're leaving Kansas City, Terry realized, Terry Holland realized, you know, we may actually get this thing. So he goes, guys, how many seats did you, how many, how many fans did you say we were going to have? And uh, we said 6,000. He said, you better. And so um, we went home and they gave it to us. And uh, that was like in February. And so Pat and I decided, uh, we're going to tell everybody it's going to be full. You, that if you live in Davidson, which was only 1,700 people about that time, and the school only had like 1,300, said, um, if you're going to, uh, you want to have a part of this, you got to buy a ticket or work. 
And in August, for a December event, we had sold 6,000 seats. So we put a waiting list, and we sold another 1,000, and we are going to bring in some seats. And then we did it again, and so by mid-October, we had 8,000. We figured we couldn't bring any more seats in, so that's what it's going to be. And then we go out beat UNC Charlotte in four overtimes, all 15 minutes, and beat, beat them in penalty kicks. And then we beat Coastal Carolina, also in four overtimes, another extra 60 minutes, and won 10-9 in, or I mean, went 10, we went to 10 shooters, and uh, my goalkeeper, Alex Deegan, made three saves that he had to make or we would have lost. Then we went to NC State and won in three overtimes, 14 minutes into the third overtime, so we played an extra uh, 44 minutes there, and then lost to San Diego at home uh, in double overtime, so we played an extra 30. We played a lot more minutes than uh, Virginia, who won it, or anybody else. Uh, and we, didn't, we didn't play Cup. the final. It, I mean, it was you're great. There. So you're telling me you're going to have 8,000 even though you're not in it, but you just happened to be in it. Yeah, we were in it. And yeah. we, those things were always sold. And somebody said, oh, my gosh, we've we got to be careful. Somebody's scalping tickets out, out front. And I said, we don't want people arrested. I said, take a picture of it. We yeah. want people to be seen that uh, we have an event that we're scalping tickets. So we had it the next year, once again, as a neutral site. And this was actually a true neutral site and we we brought in uh, the golf uh, you know seating type thing that they do for all the golf yeah. courses and we had 10,000 and the last year we had 12,000 but each year we had to park out by the interstate which is about two and a half miles from downtown little downtown Davidson and it was Christmas in Davidson and everybody got the bus to there and then walked into the stands and it was just a whole community type thing but we yeah. had 12,000 in a town of 1700 so there it starts and then you said 21 years you finally decide to leave how hard was that and why'd you do it well I figured I'd never get back to the Final Four. I mean, when we went, we didn't have any scholarships, none. Uh, and only two guys were actually on financial aid. And so uh, we decided, um, I decided, well, even with the three and a half scholarships that I had at that time, I wasn't going to get back to the Final Four, so let's do something else. And somebody had written me in uh, at Castle, uh, Capillary Soccer League in Raleigh, which is now NCFC, and said, um, who, would, who would be a good person to uh, be the CEO? And I wrote back and said, maybe me. And uh, they hired me. And then 12 and a half years later, I stopped working there. But part of that was you're really the magic man behind every time they have a college cup at Wake Med Soccer Park. At one point, it was named SAS. It's amazing. And again, this year, that's your deal yeah. there, too. Yeah, I helped build that in my very first year. I didn't know knew nothing. The one thing I did add to that, other than a couple things on the stands, was they had a walking trail around the whole thing. I made it into a cross-country course, and you live up there. You know how much time the uh, people are spending there. They have a lot of big meets. About 10 high schools practice there uh, intermittently. That gets used even more than the soccer fields, because yeah. you can't tear up a, a cross-country course like that. <laughs> so uh, we did that, and um, so I've been involved with uh, 14 college cups, uh, and not including the ones that are continuing to go. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, but talk about promoter. Wait a second. I got a story about Dean Linky. I got it today from some guy named Hank Steinbrecher, yeah. who used to run U.S. soccer. <clears throat> he said, somebody asked him at this uh, past presidents thing. Said, um, now didn't people park? at uh, the soccer house, which is right down the street from where we're sitting right now, uh, park for uh, the Chicago Bears games. And he said, yeah, let me tell you a story on this. He said, Dean Linky, who worked for uh, U.S. Soccer at that time, Jim Frostlid, who worked for U.S. Soccer, well, he decided to go to a game one time. You know, 
Hank did. The Bears. And here they are. He's going to the Bears game, and out he looks out and he sees Dean Linky waving cars into the parking lot at U.S. Soccer, uh, the U.S. Soccer House. And he looks over and there's Jim Frostlid, who also is at this convention. And he said that uh, you guys were taking in 20 bucks at a shot or whatever it was. And he said. And he did that. You guys figured you might be in some trouble that the Secretary General was uh, of the U.S. Soccer was doing that. But I think you had to buy snacks or something for the rest of the year, didn't you? Donuts for, the, for a week. Uh, donuts. There you go. Uh, on a low, low salary. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's the story I heard today. Yeah. Yeah. So the 20 <laughs> so that's bucks. Tr- that's true, right? It is true. Okay. There yeah. you go. We were going to be loaded. I mean, I think we jammed like 10 or 12 cars in there, like 20 bucks. So, yeah. And, you know, J.P. Della Camera shows up at that's 145. Greatness. That's Everyone's greatness, gotta stop right there. It's All right, greatness. Hey, real quick, last question here. Thanks for saying that story. You did. Do you know the other story? Do you know things. the JP Della Camera story? What do we got? I went down with the U.S. soccer team to Trinidad in 1989. Mr. Della Camera and uh, Seamus Mallon were announcing the game three hours beforehand. I, I flew down with the team and then stayed at the team hotel because uh, Bob Gansler suggested that when I asked him if I could go. And so I'm there. About three and a half hours, we're watching TV. They said, the stands are packed. There are so many counterfeit tickets that even with a ticket, you might not get in. So I walked in and carried stuff with the ESPN and ended up in the booth with these guys. Caligiri scores in the second half. About 15 minutes later, JP goes, well, I think there's about 15 minutes. There's no, no clock in the stadium. And he goes, I think there's about 15 minutes left. And so here's this young coach at Davidson. I, I had started my watch because I'm a coach. And it was like 25 minutes still left And because uh, we were hoping the clock was moving quickly. And so he go, I, I, showed him the, I showed him the watch, and he goes, oh, uh, we just heard from Charlie Slagle, the Davidson coach, that da-da-da-da. Uh, <laughs> and I said, okay, I got national TV. <laughs> and uh, then we ended up winning the game. But, uh, yeah, so I was with JP and, uh, and Seamus uh, at that game, which was – a very exciting time, wasn't it? I would say 95% of that story is at least true or <laughs> partially true. But, but That's like 45% in, in, higher in, than normal. Yeah, but in all, <laughs> in all honesty, I'd still be trying to get on the field if it wasn't for him because people were in the seats, in the aisles, seated. And I'm very polite, so I wouldn't want to be the one that says, hey, get out of the way. But I was Charlie a bigger had no, man. Charlie I'm a bigger had no man. problem. Charlie had no problem. Like, you would have been good security for us, like in Russia. You would have been good. Probably better than, than our guys this <laughs> summer. But no, uh, Charlie was a big help that day and, and part of history, right? I mean, no, nobody it, will ever forget that. The biggest event ever. I've ever been to. Yeah. And I've been to, I've been to some big events, but yeah. that was the biggest. I probably remember more about that event than maybe any event I've done, even more than Russia, and I was just there like this summer. But you can't forget when you when you go, I don't know if you were with us when we landed on that plane, but- I was with her. But back then, you could meet people at the at the gate, and they were singing and chanting, and it was- uh, All in red, and yeah. then on the road in, it's like 15 kind of, miles. Kind of intimidating. There know? were people all along the whole road for 15 yeah. miles yeah. to just see the U.S. bus yeah. go by, and yeah. they certainly weren't cheering for us. They weren't? <laughs> I, I agree with your sentiment. I was an intern with U.S. soccer and had never even kicked a soccer ball. And I agree with you. Like, I feel like I remember more. I wasn't there, but I remember watching the game, hearing your call, seeing Caligiuri score the goal as if it was yesterday. And I was like 19 years old, you know, and didn't know anything about soccer. So, all right. Well, if you guys haven't figured it out, Charlie Slago has taken over this thing. And now it's become a 
different kind of it's show. It's, it's going to be a Charlie a Slago and a JP Della Camera show. As you just heard the voice of the U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, JP Della Camera, without question the most celebrated soccer play-by-play -play man in the history of the U.S. And uh, JP Great to be with you. You got a little extra bonus intro there from uh, Mr. Yeah, Slago. From Charlie, who knew, right? Yeah, he got an award last year from the president, which yeah, was me. Yeah, yeah. You know, these Charlie, -time Charlie people. said, Charlie said, if I gotta, if I'm gonna go out this way, I gotta help JP. So thank you, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, we, we, hanging, he did soccer before it's cool. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> the plaque is hanging in my office, actually. Well, it's, it's great to nice. be with you both. And so now this show, just so everybody knows, is is both of you guys. So I don't know if I had that planned initially, but that's how. That's right. Be. Happy to share the spotlight with Charlie. Okay, well, JP, yesterday, um, I'm never in the spotlight, but I always love to put the spotlight on people, and I did the Hall of Fame thing, and I started off saying, you know, it's amazing, like, uh, when you think about the Hall of Fame and what it means, like, there's grown men that always say it's the greatest moment of their life, and there's even grown women who have given birth to two, three, four, five kids who also say going to the Hall of Fame is the greatest moment yeah. in their life, much to the chagrin of their kids and, and everybody else. You're in the Hall of Fame now, JP. I mean, take that humble hat off and just tell me how awesome that was. I, I think so, a few people have asked me about that today because I haven't seen them since Frisco. Uh, but you had mentioned family when you said that. And I think that outside of doing a game, a sporting event, that was like the highlight of my professional career. And part of that was because both of my daughters were there, my wife was there, my grandson was there. He's too young for me to um, have him go listen to all those speeches, but he was there so I could hang out and play with him, so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, highest. I mean, it was great to get that presidential award from Charlie, and um, I think it was in Philly in, I forget, 2010. I had got the All-American Award, and that was, mm -hmm. I, I take those things, you know, very seriously. I'm honored by those, but that, that Hall of Fame, Colin Jose Award, outside, like I said, of a professional sporting event, highlight of my professional career. So JP Della Camera grew up where, went to college where, and knew he wanted to be a broadcaster win. All good questions. Walton, Massachusetts, Graham Junior College, no longer a Ooh. college, but its most famous graduate was who? Ooh, I don't know. I know where it was, though. Did you watch the show Taxi? I did. Andy Kaufman went no to. Uh, I would say. So you're not the funniest no. man from there, no, or the strangest. No, 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 <laughs> or the wealthiest. I think Andy did pretty well. The late Andy Kaufman, but um, that's where I went to college. And I had forgotten about this, but someone showed me one day recently my high school yearbook. It said he wanted to have a career in sports media. Didn't say specific, uh, but yeah, he was in wrestling. Sports, sports, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sports media. It said, <laughs> you know. But when you grow up in the Boston area back then, uh, even though Red Sox were always popular, the Patriots were nothing compared to like today. They're an institution. Uh, the Celtics, Gino Capoletti days. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Celtics <laughs> were winning titles, but not that popular. It was the Bruins, so I always wanted to be more of a hockey announcer. Right. That's how I how, how I grew up. And years later, I, I realized an NHL dream when I worked for the Atlanta Thrashers for five years. But but soccer's really been number one since since indoor soccer days. So, Dean, are you going to ask him if uh, Bobby Orr or Wayne Gretzky was the best player of all time? I can't answer it. I I break it down by position. Bobby Orr is the greatest defenseman ever. Wayne Gretzky. 
best ever. There'll be none, none like them. I'm, I'm one of those guys, Charlie and Dean, that you can argue all you want about Jordan and LeBron. I'm a Jordan guy. You know, Crosby and Gretzky, it's still Gretzky. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that those, uh, Mia Hamm, to me, is still, you know, with all due respect to Michelle Akers, but like, uh, and, and currently Alex Morgan. I mean, there's, to me, there's one Mia Hamm, and that's just opinion. It's not fact, right? It's just opinion. So you mentioned Jordan. When I think of Jordan, I also think of Scottie Pippen. Tell us all your Scottie Pippins. Whoa. Because you're the Michael Jordan. Whoa. Oh. You get mean, it? You mean? All your partners, your broadcast oh, partners. Charlie, you know how many people I would upset if I answer that question? I understand. Because they all think that they're my favorite. Yeah, I understand. Well, Dean thinks that I'm his Pippin. Is what oh, he, that's what he was getting at? <laughs> I think. Oh, I think. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure where he was going with that, but I've, I've been lucky. Honestly, I mean, Charlie mentioned Seamus Mallon. That was probably the first person that I had worked with. But there's so many, like, too numerous to name. But I remember the first game I ever did with Seamus, I used to watch him on Cosmos games with Jim Carbellis. And I thought to myself, damn, I better be good because I'm working with Seamus Mallon. That's the only time I've ever, you know, in a broadcast situation thought to myself, you know, should I be here? Like, am I... Am I good enough to be there? You know what I mean? Yeah. With Seamus. And I never told him that until like later, but I wasn't going to tell him that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to ask for his autograph uh, before I work with him. That would sound like weird. So full disclosure, I was able to meet JP. I was the press officer for the 91 women, 92 Olympic team, 94 World Cup. And so I remember you working with Seamus for some games, yep. but I remember more games with Ty Keel, I yeah. think, during that time. Ty's fantastic. Uh, very good player, indoors and outdoors. I think injuries took him out early. Uh, one of the also one of the smartest people that I know, like in terms of just everything. And probably a lot of that uh, came from his father, you know, the late Harry Keel. But Ty's great. I still stay in touch with him, and he's among my favorites. It's got to be pretty neat, too, you know. I mean, one of the great things about broadcasting is uh, as long as your memory's still good, you can do it uh -oh. forever, oh, right? I thought he was Vin, something. Vin Scully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to. Vin is like, what, in his 80s? Isn't he in I his think 80s? He's closer to 90, yeah, I no, think. No, my wife would kill me before then. Like, she's not going <laughs> to. She's not. Nah. Yeah. It's not happening. So, but if you guys are listening memory, just know that they've interrupted most of my comments uh, here during this interview. Memory, though. Mem <laughs> hey, memory though, is, memory, though, is one thing, but you have to be healthy. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, who, who, are you? who are you? So, <laughs> anyway, my point is, it's pretty cool where here you are calling World Cup games. Next thing you know, guys who used to call are calling games with you, like Tony Miola and so yeah, many yeah, others. Yeah. That's when you know it's like come full cycle, right? Because... Um, I used to broadcast games when John Harkes was playing. Then John Harkes became a broadcast uh, commentator with me. And then a year ago, I'm broadcasting games and Ian Harkes is playing his son. So that's when you know, uh, forget about birthdays, forget about anything else, but that's when you know you're getting older when you're watching somebody's kid play, right? That to me has always been when I thought, oh wow, I have been doing this for a little while. That's John's son and he's, He's playing in MLS, you know. How many World Cups, men? How many women? Nine men, five women. 
Awesome. So, and we talked about big moments. Uh, are we going to go back to the Caligiuri one, or is there yeah, some other big no. moments? Caligiuri and Brandy are those. The, those are any speech that I give. Those are the two. Uh, you know, they're they're one and one, not like one A and, and you know one B. They're they're both there in every speech that I give, uh, and it's it's interesting though because doing all those men's World Cups. My memory is not of a you know men's World Cup. It's that game in Trinidad that was a qualifier that's more in my mind than any any World Cup on the men's side that I've done. And on the women's side, um, fantastic ending. You know Chastain. It's it's the Chastain moment, right? But you know, how how big was Lily in that game yeah. and Scurry and you know throughout the tournament and the way things went. But everybody remembers the final, right? Because that's it. What if? What if China was better on penalties, right? What about present day? I mean, so you were around, even though as a youngster, NASL, they had big crowds. But, you know, even hearing the godfather, Jerry Yegley, talk about how he built his thing. And then he said, man, I, I got to tell you, though, like seeing the South, <laughs> he said the South, <laughs> seeing Atlanta have oh, 76,000 yeah. people. Yep. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? It's pretty cool. I think Atlanta, I used to work there with the Thrashers and people would say it's a bad sports town. And I would say I disagree. You know, if you win, you'll be OK. If you market your product, you'll be OK. Atlanta's a fantastic city. But in Atlanta, you know, with the Thrashers, Saturday night, we'd have 16,000 people there, right? But on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, crowds would be low. We see that with the Florida Panthers. We see that with the Carolina Hurricanes. But everybody picked on poor Atlanta, and ownership was not strong. And they were, even though Gary Bettman, to his credit, likes to keep franchises where they are, Atlanta was the one that, that left. In, in, um, to look at it in a different way, maybe that was a help to Atlanta United in the sense that it's one less team, you know, to worry about that there's, you know, you have the Braves and you have the Hawks and you have uh, the Falcons, but it's okay. But I think Atlanta United, they're one of the best stories in the history of Major League Soccer, the way they put it all together from Arthur Blank's, not just his money and his ownership, but his vision and what he allowed people to do and the people that he hired. And, and to me, the guy that uh, doesn't get enough credit is Carlos Bocanegra for what he did there. Uh, so much of that stuff has his uh, has footprint and his handprints on it, and I think that that's an amazing story. We talk about it here. Believe me, they talk about it in other countries too. When when you hear in Europe that there were seventy five thousand people at a at an MLS game, mm -hmm. that gets attention. That's not just like a U.S. story. That gets worldwide attention. Yeah, you can tell that the, yeah. they're paying attention indeed. Well, you're not but, just here because. Go ahead. I was going to say you have to let me know when you're going to cut this off because I do have a gift for you and so I don't want you to say goodbye to me and then I don't get to do the gift so oh that's really so, kind but I'm not saying to cut me off yeah I'm just telling you I would you never know. cut you off now he's I enjoy it too much he's, he's wondering now what, he wants the gift he's wondering <laughs> what the hell's in the bag he thought it was my laundry are we allowed to say the H word on my podcast or uh, not what the heck okay what the heck that's also is that H, all right Charlie yeah, I, I guess yeah being What's the that? broadcaster that I am right. with these uh, two legends that I'm uh, on here with I I Go back. I, I said heck. I JP Delacamera is a Hall of Famer, and he's also here representing Fox. It's going to be another big summer for Fox. you got the CONCACAF Gold Cup going on. you got the Women's World Cup. Let's start with the Women's World Cup because 
JP, in your role, first of all, anything other than a U.S. win is going to be a disappointment. Oh, yeah. And I think if you're being honest with us, in your role, anything but a U.S. win, just not as much fun either, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, obviously you root for the U.S., right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't have that, sadly, on, on the men's side to to root for but this is a unique situation when you think about it it's a world cup and and we you know as a country are favored right and we always are for the u.s right so it's never been that way in the men's side uh expectations are high for the women and yesterday we did a seminar women's world cup seminar and i asked around the room and i don't know maybe there were 70 80 people there and i said who in this room does not think the u.s is a clear clear favorite to win the world cup and only one person raised their hand. And when we said, well, who's the team? And he says, well, I don't know. Uh, who's, the, who's the team that would win it? And he says, I don't know. And then later he said France, right? But clearly the U.S. is favored, right? Uh, they are the best team. They are, I think, the best coach team. They have the most depth. They have the most talent. They have the most everything. They are going to breeze through group stage. But if you ask me in the knockout stage... Could somebody beat them? Absolutely they could. Australia could beat them. They've already done it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, France could beat them. Germany could beat them. There's like four or five teams that could beat them in a one-off. Not in a best of five or a best of seven. Uh, the rest of the countries haven't caught up that way. But in a one-off, absolutely where uh, a goalkeeper error. That's uh, a big a, deal. A controversial, no I know we yeah. said that yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, say what you want about Hope Solo. To me... Uh, I think Brian Ascari was fantastic and there were other great goalkeepers, but to me, you know, Hope Solo was the best goalkeeper in the history of women's soccer, yeah. right? And when you have her, I think you'd agree, you have an edge, right? There's mm -hmm. like that intimidation factor. You're going up against Hope Solo. And Alyssa Nair is a terrific goalkeeper. She's been great in NWSL for, like, for six years, right? Mm -hmm. But she's never been, and she'll even say that, right? She's never been a number one at World Cup. Or Olympics. Right. So you don't really know, right? right? I yeah. mean, you're hopeful and you think, yes, of course she can do it. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not the same, right? And other countries will look at that as well and, and realize, hey, she's like this goalkeeper and this goalkeeper. Is, it's not solo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that, that is, that's one of the areas where in a one-off... Absolutely. We're, we're all hoping that she rises to the challenge, and we believe that she can. And if she does, if a listener has a very good World Cup, U.S. wins. Great breakdown of the World Cup, which will be on Fox, where JP is the star among stars. And then the Gold Cup, it's a different kind of pressure for Mr. Burhalter because, is. yeah, he wants to see some new players, but you know the deal. He's got to put on a good show right out of the bat. He does, and I think... Charlie, would you agree with this? I think the fact that Mexico hires Tata makes it even more interesting. You know, if Mexico stayed with Osorio, you know, you're comparing Burhalter to Osorio. But now, yeah. you know, you've got Tata and you've got some people saying, well, why wasn't he interviewed for the U.S. job? And, you know, what if Mexico looks much better? And then you're going to hear that again. And I, I think Burhalter was a great choice. And even if the U.S. loses, I'm not going to say, you know, we have the wrong guy. That's not the way I think. You know, I think Greg was a great choice. But... I could be in the minority if U.S. doesn't do well, you know, and Mexico does. But I think both countries are relying a lot on new faces, right, mm -hmm. young faces. And I think that's part of the story. And then we'll see, you know, who else is catching up in the region or who's dropping back. You know, Costa Rica had the great World Cup in, what, uh, 2014. But after that, not so good. You know, will they come back up? How good is some of these other countries. Yeah, it's like, going to be interesting. No question. Right? JP, you know for a fact, because you hear from them, there are 
a thousand plus young men and women that want to do what you do, what do you say to them? I say follow your dream. That's number one. Get reps. That's number two because you're always going to get better, right? Remember when you started out? Because you said you were a PR person, right? And now you don't do any PR, right? Other than... Hey, Charlie. Promote Charlie. He does PR for himself. himself. <laughs> I know. We'll, well, uh, we'll yeah. agree on that. We, we, we're both in from, agreement. From a guy yeah. who from promotes himself more yeah. than anybody. I know. I know. I know. He, he, jumped, he jumped on my segment, right? Yeah, I totally. Mean, yeah. And he's told me the same stories yeah. five times in three days. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he doesn't remember. But, but, um, but I think you remember, right? I'll bet you remember the first game that you did. And whether you thought you were good or not, right, you can see the difference in yourself, right, over all of these years and how many games you've done in whether it was college, whether it was a different sport, whether it was soccer, right? And now, how many years would you say you've done this full-time as a broadcaster? Since it easily, I was going to guess like 2,000, right? So if yeah. it was 2,000, you know, you're getting close to 20 years doing it, right? Right? Yeah. So it's all about reps. Yeah. All about reps. And that's what I would tell young, aspiring people. And the good news is... There's so many more jobs that are open, not only MLS, but uh, USL, NWSL, college. Uh, it's out there. That's the good news. The bad news is there's so many people that want to do this so that you've got you've to network. You've got to get the reps in and you've got to talk to people. When you're talking to that young guy and that young guy came up to you and said, hey, I'm getting reps, but I also have to call another game and my voice is shot and I got like three hours. What do you recommend there? Uh, two cough drops every few hours. Hot tea with lemon or honey. Uh, say a little prayer. I hope that that all works out. Can Can I get why you is that you? Are you describing yourself? Can yeah. I get some cough drops? <laughs> I, I have some cough drops here for you. Push through I, some adrenaline, I, a, I guess. A good, a good broadcast. Got a three-hour banquet is, coming up. Is always prepared, right? So, Charlie, watch me. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm, I'm going to take two of these out of here. Uh-huh. You're not going to give them any more than that, though. No, 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 no. Because i got to save these in case. Uh, this is not his gift, by the way. Oh, I got This it. is not his gift. So I, I got we're, we're having else. fun. Here's the deal. J.P. Della Camera is a dear friend, and he not only helped me with broadcasting stuff, I had to do all these speeches as part of the World Cup Speakers Bureau, yep. I think only because they needed somebody under 25 and nothing else. And I would call J.P. That's true. For jokes, like all the time. Charlie, I had none, and he would say, dude, and I'd say, Dean, don't call me dude. First of all, that's a California thing. But I would say, (laughs) Dean, I'm not really funny. And he'd say, come on, you got to help me with this. You know you're funny. And I'd say, when is this due? And he'd say, like, in three hours. He gave you three hours? Not not 30 minutes? No, sometimes less. (laughs) I'm being kind to him right now. But I remember a couple of speeches I wrote for him, actually, but... Um, to this day, I'm not really that funny, really. I think he's, I think he had other people help him, and he confused me with another speechwriter. I think. No, you gave some great jokes oh, actually. I don't that, think I did. Yeah, you gave jokes about referees. You gave. I a wish joke I could remember Pele. them now. Like, I do too. I could make a fortune. I, I as know. A guest I, I wish I could too, because I can't remember. I always got to go back to the recycler. Huh? All right, Charlie, Mister Promotion. One more thing here. You're in Richmond now, because you're a maniac. The Davidson Mafia. What's going on? Well, six of the uh, my former players from that '92 team bought the Richmond Kickers. So uh, I happened to call when they were doing it. I heard that there was a possibility and. Uh, 
they said, well, last night we had a call and said, hey, you think Coach might be interested in coming up? And so um, I start work uh, in Richmond on Monday uh, this week. Are I you take, coaching? No, I'm oh. uh, VP of um, Community Involvement or Engagement and then also uh, Game Day uh, uh, Experience So uh, for uh, this uh, USL team. So Excellent. it's going to be fun. And, you know, maybe we'll get a guest announcer sometime and get JTP Della Camera with you, Dean. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I, two, he can't, two he can't play, afford us both. Two play, <laughs> two play by play guys, though. I'm not sure. Yeah. You can't afford us both. One of us has to go. Just even that answer, people listening are getting the – they're getting it that they can tell that I like JP and Charlie a lot more than they like me, unfortunately. No, I like, I like you, Dean. I think they're incredible should people. I, should I give you the gift now? It is gift time it here. Gift That's time. the tough thing about a podcast, so we'll have to have JP okay. do a little play-by-play okay. here. So, um, one of the things that I do as a labor of love, myself and Shep Messing, we are the managing directors of the Connecticut Fusion. Do we have to explain of, who Shep Messing uh, is to no, some of the people? No, 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 I hope not. <laughs> I hope not of, either. Of United Women's Soccer. This is our logo, and this is our T-shirt for you podcast listeners, I hope that this is coming across very well <laughs> with the Fusion logo. We finished last year in second place in nine-team Eastern Conference. Congratulations. One game away from the final four. So this is like, um, how can I phrase this? This is uh, love of the game. Yeah. There's nothing in it for me. Just love of the game. We're one step below NWSL okay. and one step above college. It's amateur and having a lot of fun with it. I'm, I'm gonna I get love you a, this. I'm going to get you a different one in here because that's not the right size. But are I'm going to give it to you. Are you calling me fat or what are you doing? No, I was giving you a compliment. This is this too big for you. This could be <laughs> too big. This is too big for you. This, I, I actually, I think this is Alexi Lalas' shirt that I was giving you by accident. But I, I do have one in here for you. I, I like the long Seriously. sleeve thing too. That's Dean, big time. Oh, I wish he hadn't said that because now he's, he's going to get a short yeah, sleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But he lives in Carolina, right? Isn't that better there? It gets warm eventually. Yeah. It isn't warmer. Um, so but, but Dean, when Dean was uh, in charge of U.S. soccer, he did give me gifts. So let's say we're even. <laughs> How's that? That is awesome. I love it, JP. I See? love you. Congratulations. See? I didn't know I was going to share this with Charlie. I would have had a shirt for him, but it's okay. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't know I was either. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Slago, incredible career. JP Della Camera, Hall of Famer. I'm going to call you both my friends no matter what you think of me. You I are, love you both. We'll, we'll agree, we'll you agree that, you're, that we're your friends. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I'm so proud of you, man. Congratulations on Thank being you. in the Hall of Fame and keep it going. Love listening to your work. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie JP. Charlie Slagle, JP Della Camera. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Sap. Dean Linky coming to you from Chicago, the United Soccer Coaches Convention. We're on podcast roll. I'm feeling pretty good because I'm right in the middle, <laughs> right next to me, my main man, Nick Rizzo, who, along with Sean Soderling, has put together a pretty cool podcast. It is called Soccer Chat Coaching Podcast. That's Soccer Chat Coaching Podcast. And they've also got a Twitter thing going on on Wednesday. We'll get to that in just a moment. But Nick Rizzo also is the head women's soccer coach for the Monmouth College Athletics, the Fighting Scots. And this is Monmouth College in Monmouth, Illinois, by the way, about three hours 
from here. And Nick Rizzle joins me now. Nick, thanks for being with me. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, it was guys just going to introduce myself, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we want to try to talk to everybody. This podcast role is a pretty neat deal. Of course, podcasts are the rage. Uh, I think uh, the United Soccer Coaches podcast has been going on for three years or so, and so much talent up and down here, and so much passion too, right? I mean, this is about your passion for the game, isn't it? Oh, I mean, when we started, it was just me and Sean wanted to use this as a way to steal everyone's secrets. You know, that was no, I'm kidding. But for us, but for us, it was about just getting to know more people and lo- hearing their stories and what their life and how they got to where they are. And so, exactly what you said, it's just being passionate about what we're doing and how we do it every single day and it for us it allows us to do this on a weekly basis similar to you all right so tell me your story though i know you played college in iowa at loris and you know tell me about your path how you ended up being a coach and then i can tell you're a little media superstar here when did you say hey i also want to do this thing work it all in there yeah for sure so um i originally from chicagoland illinois um a suburbs right outside there i played for four years at a school called loris college which is a division three in dubuque iowa and i was really fortunate where um, the men's soccer season for college soccer is in the fall and the high school boys soccer season is in the spring in Iowa and I was joke with people one of my best friends when I was a freshman in school he took over the head coaching job at a local high school and then he graduated and so the very next day that's my partner in Christ shot um, the very next uh, year they hired me as the varsity head coach so when I was 19 or 20 years old I was a varsity head high school coach and and it really for me it was one of those things I walked into my coach his office after doing a year of that and I was like how do I do what you do and he kind of led me down the path of well you got to get your GA and then you can follow all these things and he's been a huge Dan rother has been a huge guiding force for me in my career path and so immediately after I graduated I went and did my graduate assistant job at Aurora University in Chicago Illinois and then I took an assistant coaching job for both the men and the women up at St. Mary's University in Winona and and then I took the Mammoth head coaching job which was the first head coaching job for me at the college level right after that and so when, once I got down there, it was funny because I'd been, I would say, more on the men's side than the women's side when I was at St. Mary's. I, I did a little bit more for, involved for them. And so when I got to the women's side, it was the hardest thing is you don't know anyone. If you've never recruited, you've never worked with them. And so like, for me, it was a lot of this was going into and trying to put myself out there and get involved. And so Sean um, and a bunch of other people had set up this Wednesday night chat and a few of my coaching buddies through Twitter, I, I was seeing them respond to it. And so I, I, it piqued my interest. So I started joining in and Sean and me, uh, like it, we, we have a similar sense of humor. So we would reply with each other to like jokes and gifs and things like that and so a few weeks later Sean sent me an email and was just like or sent me a, I think it was private message on Twitter he's like hey do you want to start a podcast and I was like yeah I have no idea what that is but I'm in and because it, again he just seemed like a guy that would be really fun to be around so the coolest thing about when we started that podcast was we didn't see we never met each other in person we did the podcast for almost seven months having never physically been in each other's presence just seeing each other through uh the google hangouts that we do every single week and so that's how we kind of got started with our whole thing doing this and it really just spawned from me wanting to put myself out here and if you if you ever get a chance to talk to sean he is the one that is so passionate and so loud and outgoing and he does so many good things that it just it, it took off from there and it's been a ton of fun here with nick rizzo he's talking about sean soderling they are the 
founders of this great soccer chat coaching podcast. And all right, so the Wednesday night Twitter thing, how do you start following that? Are you still doing it? Yeah, every single Wednesday night. Um, so the best way to do it is you have your Twitter account, go and follow, just search in the hashtag soccer chat and it's spelled exactly like it sounds. You go on there and it's 8.30 central time. We'll start putting out questions and we'll do this for an hour. So we'll go from 8.30 till 9.30. And some days it'll be questions that me and Sean have. And a lot of other times recently, we'll do it where we take questions in from different coaches. And these are coaches that are college coaches, high school coaches, club coaches, a huge spectrum. And we'll ask questions and we'll all respond to each other using this hashtag. So the question will come out as a Q1 and the question, and you respond A1, your answer. And what we'll typically have is some give and go. And the nice thing is we'll cover topics that are easy to cover. And then there's been a lot, like every so-and-so, there's a controversy, so long, there's a controversial topic that will come out. And those are more of fun ones because there's this level of respect that people have where we're going to, like, no one, like, really gets after. There's no trolls on this or anything. But it's meaningful. I mean, anything that's worth discussing is something that's hard to discuss. And so it's pretty cool that you're able to have these interactions. And then now we get out here and I, I feel like I know a million people that I've talked to every single week, but you, you only know them from their Twitter, Abby. And so like, I, I was like, it's the funniest thing for me is seeing how tall and short they are. Cause you have this face, cause you see this face on the picture and they're like, Oh man, you're either six, four or five, eight or somewhere mm-hmm. in between. And so that's been the coolest part for us. So Nick, what kind of soccer are you and Sean talking about? Are you talking major league soccer, USL? college soccer, European soccer, what kind of soccer are you talking? The entire spectrum. Each week, um, some weeks have a very specific theme that we'll go after um, and some weeks where we allow the you the every, everyday person to submit questions, they can come in. So we, it's honestly typically what is hot in soccer that week. And so it, we, we like recently everyone's been into the Rondos thing and every, like so we had a, a few discussions on that and the, like when the, a year ago when the U.S. men's national team failed to qualify it was what was that and like recently on the women's side it was oh and we lost at the u20s and the u17s at the world cup like what's the future for the women's game look like and so it's cool because there's people like me who don't have insides in that and then we have people that are a little bit more involved with the national team and things like that that will will come on and actually have some real input so we learn a ton from it and that's where it, it it gets cool where when you finally get to know what the people are like even though you've never actually met them and what did you do who was the inertia behind getting on podcast row so i i was joking i think i i, I keep joking with sean i think he I, I feel like he peer pressured us to get on this uh sean been, was tweeting at united soccer coaches like probably since last year and uh not obsessively by any means but he he kept uh tweeting at him and things like that and it and and actually it kind of went quiet for a little bit and when we got uh, we got a message and we were like yeah we're all on board because like uh, like the stuff that you, you mentioned earlier with everyone on this i mean we've gotten to know all these different coaches that have been on podcast row and it's cool for us because we're all trying to do the same thing and we all have like little different things about it like your podcast is different from ours which is different from six yards box which is different from all the other ones but it's cool because we're all like you said for a love of the game to expand the game to talk to people and find out what they're like i think it's that's what really sparked it for us and it it just made it cool to when we got here even that we walk up there and you register and they they know you by name like i walked in they know my before i even introduced myself myself and that's pretty cool all-time favorite interview on your podcast oh gosh we've had a few i'm gonna ask you the same thing after this um but i would say um 
Randy Waldron was a really good one. We actually had him on again today, uh, just because again, when you when you're a little, little guy like me, like you don't ever expect that you're going to talk to a guy that was a national champion that worked with the U23 women's national team and things like that. So that one was pretty cool. One of the ones that we had on last week, actually, she's running for, and it's not a political thing by any means. I we try to stay out of politics, but uh, we had Haley Carter on last week, who. Great guy. Um, She's writing for board directors right now, and just to hear her story, um, that one's really fresh in my memory with, with all the stuff that's been happening with the Afghan women's national team, and to hear her side of it with everything, it was a really cool story. I mean, it was those those are the ones that we like. It's the ones where you get to find out something about someone that you, when you look at their coaching bio, you don't get, and that that was I think my one of the most recent favorite ones I have. And again, not trying to get political, but Haley was absolutely fantastic to have on, and if you're around this weekend. Definitely go check out all the board directors that are running because he's one of them, and I think they have a really good group. So his name is Nick Rizzo, and Nick, what we're going to do here, we've got some uh, live podcasting going on. I feel like we got to get Sean on, we so do. I'm going to ask you to hand over your headset. I want to say thank you to you. It, I love your passion. Absolutely. Love your thank excitement. you for me on. Yeah, and we'll get uh, Sean on for a minute or so just to uh, see what he says as well, and uh, we'll keep it rolling here. We're at the... United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. It's a great show. We're on Podcast Row. Nick Rizzo gave full credit to Sean Soderling. Oh, I don't know about that. He was loving you, man. <laughs> and you're here now. I wanted to get you some airtime as oh. well. This is pretty cool. The My soccer wife would chat. say I get plenty of airtime. Coaching podcast. Is, <laughs> yeah, probably too much, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty cool, though, man. I like what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you for having us here. It's um kind of a you know a year and a half of work of putting together and uh as i've kind of told some of my friends uh four failed podcasts before and who would have known that uh the soccer one would be the one to uh, to take off what were the other podcasts about uh, so i had a a, a a a sports talk show uh that i thought would be pretty cool and it, it was all right for a while and then uh, i had another one with a, a guy i taught high school with except we recorded it in the middle of our classes which probably was frowned upon by the administration but it made for good crowd That's feedback cool, when we were yeah. recording and then uh, a cousin of mine and i did a, a pro wrestling podcast for a while then he moved on to one that's taken off and is very very popular and i kind of was like oh, i need to find something to do and i'm a broadcasting major uh so my mom's really happy that i'm putting my degree to use finally from and, where uh, from vincent's university okay very good. And why Nick Rizzo? And why, why <laughs> Nick and Sean on this project? You know, uh, when we reached out to um, Social Media for the High School Athletes, who are the people who uh, who provide the server for us to, to put the show on, um, when I had reached out to them, because they asked me to start the Twitter chat, and I said, well, what about podcasts? You know, when I'm on the road, I listen to podcasts all the time of various different genres, and they asked, you know, do people listen to those? I was like, well, yeah, I listen to it, so everybody has to. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, if you can do it, put it together. I was like, I've got the equipment, you know, I'll find a co-host. And uh, Nick and I had been talking on Twitter for probably, I'd say maybe four weeks or so, and uh, got to know each other through that, and kind of uh, tweeted back and forth. And I was just like, you know what, like, why not? Like, uh, I kind of like the strange factor in it, and I'm sure he probably mentioned it took us a long time before we actually met in person, uh, to where I think we do, uh, you know, the first couple shows we did, everybody said, you know, you guys, how long you guys been friends? Well, we, we've never actually met other than on, uh, on Twitter, so uh, a lot of credit to Nick for, you know, the chemistry that we've built up, and um, I think 
think uh, I don't know if I could have picked anybody else uh, to do a, as good a job as him. I like his energy, like yours too. Soccer chat, coaching podcast. Last question: Your favorite podcast interview all time on Soccer Chat? Oh man, we you know we asked this question on our Twitter chat the other day, and everybody had kind of the same response as me. Is like you can't really just pick one. It's like picking your favorite child. Got to pick one, my man. Oh, you know, um, I'm gonna say probably our Randy Waldron one. Okay. Uh, we had him here today, and he was the one that really kind of. It really helped us out uh, that uh, it, it really eclipsed what our show is about, about how all of us were all the same people. We're all the same uh, coaches. And uh, no matter where you're at, what level you're at, we're all learning from each other. We can learn something from each other. And uh, he was really a big help to us. And that was kind of one of our first ones that took off. And we've been on a, on a real high since then. And uh, who knows where it's going to go from here. It, only, only way is up. Shout out time. How do people uh, connect with you and with Nick? Uh, Nick is on Twitter at Coach in Rizzo. I'm Coach Soderling. Uh, you can follow uh, Soccer Chat at Chat Soccer, no E, so that's S-O-C-C-R. It's weird, but Soccer Chat was taken already. Uh, we have a coach's conversation every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, all you got to do is follow the hashtag Soccer Chat. We have thousands of coaches get on there from time to time. Even if you're not on there on Wednesday night, you can still answer on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's all at, uh, all at your demand as anytime you want it. If you're promoting soccer, I'm a fan. Well done, Sean. Thank you Thanks very for much. Thank us. you so much. Thank you, Nick and Sean, and be sure to check out their podcast as well. I want to thank Lynn Burling Manuel, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches, and also enjoyed our visit with legendary broadcaster JP Della Camera and longtime soccer coach, promoter, administrator. He's done it all, including a role as former past president of United Soccer Coaches, Charlie Slagle. I also want to thank Mike Knipper, Sean Chevro, and the whole gang, and each and every one of you. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. In February, we go to every other week. Our next show will be Valentine's Day. That's right, Valentine's Day with Dean Linky. Ouch. Sorry about that. We'll see you in a couple weeks. United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more.